0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation series. I'm honored today to have Dan LaTorca here with me, Vice President of Marketing and Brand Strategy at the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, this is this is awesome for me to have Dan here with me. I'm a, I'm a big Carolina Hurricanes fan, grew up uh, in the Carolina Hurricanes family. So to have him here and ask him a bunch of nerdy questions about engagement and digital media especially with how freaking cool our social media is Uh, i'm excited to have dan here uh with us so dan thank you so much
1: oh thank you so much for having me and thank you for the kind words and and thank you for being a hurricanes fan we we appreciate it you know this this uh, sports team is nothing without its fans uh, and every single one is it's very important to what we
0: do yeah i want to i want to start off just specifically with you and your career in sports, what was your, okay, I want to work in sports moment. How did you get there?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, uh, when I went to college, I didn't go with the intention of working in in sports, but I did grow up uh, in North Jersey in the 90s when the Yankees were in their prime and the Yankees were always a big part of like my, my family's sort of bonding opportunities from, my great-grandfather to my grandfather to my dad to me and now to my kids um, and I was always really obsessed with, with baseball um, you know didn't didn't play it I ran track and wrestled in high school I yeah. wasn't big enough to, to actually play but you know yeah, then being a Yankees fan in the 90s it was it was it's all anybody talked about um, so when I went to college I went to school at the University of Scranton for my undergrad which was, well, it's more famous for like the office now than anything yeah. else and uh, with the intention of being a high school English teacher, and uh, I did that for my first year there, my freshman year, and it was fine. I wasn't that great at it, um, but uh, at one point there, the, the Yankees moved their farm team to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I kind of looked at that as a sign that, you know, I always in the back of my head was like, a, you know, I'd love to work in baseball or work in sports. And so, the same way people daydream about, like, you know, be a movie star or a rock star or a pro athlete, like, yeah. always wanted that to be you know, a, a potential career, but never actually thought that is something that could that could happen uh, for me. Um, but I, I used that as a sign. And um, one morning I just woke up and I didn't want my entire life to be in classrooms. And yeah. uh, I switched my major from English and education to English and communications with a, a focus on journalism. And I kind of yeah. set my sights on, on wanting to be a baseball journalist, a beat writer for the Yankees. And I, I hit the ground hard running. Um, I worked for the City Paper, uh, the Scranton Times, the School Paper, the Aquinas. Um, I started a blog. I wrote for a magazine that at the time was owned by Fox Sports and like covered minor league baseball. And I did that for a couple of years and, and got a whole lot of bylines and, and covered a whole bunch of drafts and games and all that. And uh, by the time I graduated, I learned just how hard it is to, to find a job in New York media it, you know especially in baseball so um, plus I wasn't talented enough to do that so I ended up falling into a job with a digital marketing agency um, and back in like 08 09 that was an emerging field of and yeah. uh, optimization which social media marketing was part of it back then and uh, I learned a whole lot there and then I learned enough to where a, a larger agency sort of uh, gave me a shot and doubled my pay and as a 22-year-old living in New York City, I was like, all right, I, I can I can deal with that. <laughs> but I used that, what I had learned to consult for a bunch of like minor league baseball teams on the side, and that kind of helped me bolster my resume a little bit and undercut some agencies they were working with. And after about a year of that, I, uh, I had two job offers on the table. And uh, I knew when I got to the agency side that I wanted to work in sports at some level. I never thought it would be in marketing or anything like that, but the lines have blurred so dramatically over the past 10 15 years with you know what is marketing what is PR what is digital and what is storytelling and branding and all that that's uh you know I've been very very fortunate to sort of be caught up in 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 what and how that industry has evolved over the years so that first job ended up being with the Carolina Panthers and uh I was brought in to be really their their first kind of digital and social person and uh I mean, I'll be honest with you now, and I'm not scared to say I had no idea what I was doing. i had never managed a brand before, I So for agencies and, and and definitely not for sports brands. And also I grew up a baseball fan. I had to pick up like football for dummies just so I could know how to properly like tweet games. And it was it was a challenge, but I got my feet under me and. After uh, you know, a couple of months, I realized what the, the foundations of our strategy should be. And, and believe it or not, those are things that I've taken with me even yeah. through my time at the Canes here. So spent about six years there and uh, then moved up to the Brooklyn Nets and Islanders for about a year when my wife and I were having our, our first kid because we wanted to be closer to home. And yeah. after a we year in Brooklyn, we loved it, but it was like, well, this isn't as fun as, as North Carolina. Uh, so when uh, an opportunity opened up with the Canes, we had some very casual conversations and realized there might be a way to kind of make that work. And uh, we did, and uh, the rest is is history.
0: I love that. And I I love that you have truly seen the transformation of the digital world from social becoming such a massive thing that it is today. I don't think a lot of people can say that. and I, I think that is extremely cool that you can see something from fruition, especially in an industry as big as sports. It's
1: been wild. I mean, when I first started, most of the, the social professionals were like, hey, you have a communications degree, go manage the Twitter account. And uh, to watch it evolve to what it is now where the bulk of, of pro sports teams have multiple uh, highly paid professionals you yeah. know, managing social and, and then you have like, sometimes content producers that are dedicated to social, whether it be for YouTube or TikTok or, yep. or what have you. Um, it's it's pretty cool to see. Um, and the industry is still, as we know, rapidly changing and evolving. Yeah. And it's it's fun to be part of that, but it's, it's become a great tool for connecting with fans. And that's probably what I appreciate about it the most.
0: From football and you being a baseball fan, but to go into football and then have basketball and hockey at- and all through your journey what was the learning curve from you what and what you said you had to pick up a a football for dummies but what was what was the learning curve in terms of digital and how you were having to handle all the different types of content
1: yeah with the panthers it was interesting because they had a website manager at the time but that was really the full extent Uh, he had jumped over from the community relations department so i probably had the most digital experience there from a marketing standpoint Um, so i initially was hired to be the social person uh and then inherited a whole lot of their stuff in my first couple of weeks there yeah. mobile app management um yeah. email marketing and some analytics stuff and it just grew and grew and grew over my time there and, and I won't lie when you're a kid you can handle a lot of stuff and and yeah. don't probably like oh, what's burnout I don't know what that is and yeah uh, you keep just kind of piling on yeah the energy for it and um you you keep doing and doing growing. And by the time we got to the 2015 season, I had so much on my plate and we got through that year. That was the Super Bowl season. It was, it was a lot to, to manage, uh, everything going on that we finally had to expand our staff, but you know, it's, it's um, the the key there. And I was so lucky and so blessed to be at the Panthers when I was there because Cam Newton was drafted uh, right before I got there. And then a year later they had Luke yeah. Keighley, and they had some good seasons and Charlotte is a special town and they love yeah. their sports teams. And it was, I was really there for up until what happens the next couple of years, uh, some really golden days. And um, that it's, it's, it's a lot easier to build a community um, yes. when you have back to back to back playoff seasons, not necessarily winning seasons, but yeah. uh, it, it allowed us uh, to be really successful on the digital landscape and building a strong sense of community and and learning on the go too, was yeah. like, are we going to make keep pounding a thing? And are we going to, yeah. you know, what is our social strategy and voice going to be for a, a team that really hasn't had a lot of relevancy outside of a, a yep. single Super Bowl appearance in the early 2000s? So, you know, it is something that um, we had no locked up strategy when I got there and by the time i hit year three or four we had a pretty good idea of what we needed to do to be successful and by the time it was year five like we were hitting on all cylinders uh in terms of social strategy at least
0: i, I still remember the keep pounding i mean it was it spread so far and wide um and i still i still think a lot of us that uh, have been in north carolina for a long time still remember that still say it all the time too um uh, yeah. Have the perfect
1: the phrase for a team. It really is. And yeah. it like, the, the usage of it, believe it or not, and I don't think I've ever said this publicly before, um, was heavily inspired by the Falcons, believe it. They were just wow, okay. on Rise Up. And I was like, I, I was thinking like I know we had key pounding. It was it was something that was said a lot internally, but it wasn't, you know, was, it was a lot of the the longtime fans had it so I think because it really became a mantra for that that the Sam Mills teams when he was a coach, but I saw how the Falcons were using it in all their marketing collateral. And I was just like jealous. I was like, I wish we had something like that. And and I in no way had anything major to do with like how that took off. That is something that fans and players, you know, really were the ones that championed that, but we started using it heavily in social media. And, 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 you know, I remember one day uh, I think it was the 2012 season the, the Panthers were playing the Chargers and I saw a bunch of fans and they yeah. had a sign that, that had hashtag I Keep pounding on yeah. it. And that, I was like, wow, like this is really like becoming something. And I loved it um, as a phrase because it was something that could be used when things are going well yeah, or when it's not going well. And uh, it's become such a piece of identity for a team. And I know we'll touch on that later with like bunch of jerks and the canes that yeah. It, it's all of the teams in North Carolina they're on their first generation of fans. And if you can do anything to help solidify something that gives them a sense of identity, it's, it's really special. So uh, that's something that it was, it was so fun to witness and have a front row seat to watching just that phrase and everything that it meant uh, in terms of Sam Mills, but also motivation for so many other people to, to okay. kind of to keep pounding for lack of a better term that, uh, it's been awesome to witness that. And I'm really glad the Panthers are embracing that one again, because I think it means more than just football now. And, yeah. uh, it's, yep. it's, it really helped I think, grow that brand in a lot of ways at a time when the, the football was good, but yeah. you always need that extra level of connection when, yeah. when building anything.
0: It's funny, as you were talking about that, I immediately thought of a bunch of jerks and how that came to be, mm-hmm. um, so switching over to your Carolina hurricane side, where you've been now for quite some time, you started as director of digital marketing, your yep. director of marketing, and now sit as vice president of marketing and brand strategy. Just first off, how cool is it to, <laughs> to work for this team? Like what, what has it been like for you?
1: I mean, it's, it's special. Um, I'm a very sentimental person and I'm forever thankful that the Panthers gave me an opportunity to work in sports. Yeah. Um, The hurricanes gave me, uh, uh, an opportunity to build my life in North Carolina. And that's something that, um, because of that, there's a, a certain level of, of pride, but also, um, commitment I have to this team you know doing everything I can to make it be as successful as possible yeah. from a standpoint because this is knock on wood hopefully where I'm going to spend the rest of my life raising my family as Hurricanes fans and as part of the Raleigh community um, so to play a role in, in making this team mean as much as it can to the community is is really you know important to to me as a as a person so um it's been really really special to do that and the bunch of jerks uh campaign i guess you could say is probably to this date the thing that i'm I'm most proud of even having a small role in and you know i've told the story before but um and and honestly that couldn't have happened without some stuff that happened in the panthers um if, if for the the hardcore panthers fans that may be watching this later on during the 2015 season, um, that was that special Super Bowl year, and Cam yeah. caught a lot of heat for like dancing and dabbing in the end zone after big plays, and especially after a win versus Tennessee, uh, it caused this like this lawyer. Uh, they, I think the fans that I'm calling, they're the Tennessee mom or something, because it yeah. was this, this lawyer, and she wrote this like op-ed piece that was just like something out of Footloose, and we leaned in hard uh, on like having fun and being different okay. and like nothing galvanizes the fan base. Like when people are being critical of you and you're winning, yeah. it's like, and then North Carolinians have like a chip on their shoulder when they're with their pro teams already. So yeah. it was, it worked out really well. And when um, I, I can remember the bunch of jerks weekend really well, because we had two games and it's state weekend and um, my, my family was out of town. So I was really focused on like, I had my fingers in the keys uh, on the social side there. And um, as that whole thing went down, um, I'm just getting flashbacks of 2015 mm-hmm. being like, all right, this is like, we're going to lean into this. We're going to have fun with it. We're yeah. not just going to be one tweet and be done. And we changed our Twitter bio to a bunch of jerks. We acknowledged it and kind of nudged the reporters on press row to be like, hey, look at this. So they're screen capping it. And at the time, Twitter's algorithm worked in a way where if you liked those tweets, they would yes. get written so we didn't have to send a single tweet and it was already like a top trending topic on Reddit, on Twitter, everywhere else. And during the game, you know, our social managers putting stuff out there. I'm Photoshopping the grandpa Simpson meme when we're talking about how we have to make t-shirts. Um, and this is what sets the Carolina Hurricanes apart from any other organization I've worked for is that it's midnight after a game. I think the second game we had that weekend, it was like, a, I want to say it was a Friday to a Saturday back to back. And my my boss, the now CMO, then he was VP of marketing, Mike Foreman, and I are talking in my office and we're like, all right, let's, let's figure out the shirt thing. And he texts uh, Tom Dundin and, and Don Waddell and 12 ish, 1230 night, And like, Hey, this is what we want to do. Can we do this? And I'm thinking like, they're going to like, no, like don't, don't call attention to it. And they're both like all in on it. And uh, our normal t-shirt printer was closed that weekend because of the holiday and I remember reading this article about this company that rose to prominence during the 2017 Stanley Cup playoffs called Breaking Tea. Okay. And they used a t-shirt um, of the Braden Holtby safe Yes. In real time, they had it ready to go, like that whole like super acrobatic yes. move. Um, I was okay. like, well, let's call them because we we had worked with them on something smaller once before. Uh, you know, I was like, all right, we have a relationship there. And we emailed them right after we got the approval from Tom and Don and they were all in. And we told them oh, we need proofs, you know, I concepts by the next morning. And they had a few our way. We picked one and I got it up and running on our e-commerce site. And I remember talking with our then head of retail being like, all right, we have 250 units coming in. Like, should we make be like, what are like 300? And they're like, oh yeah, okay, maybe 275, whatever. And then we sold like 6,000 shirts in the first like four yeah. or five days. And what's special about that whole movement is that it it gave fans here a sense of identity. And that the, the sports is all about community and connection yeah. and identity. And, and Hurricanes fans for a decade didn't really have that nonsense so 2006. So to play a small role in helping facilitate that is something that I'm immensely proud of. And and few things bring me as much joy professionally as when I see a bunch of jerks shirt out in the wild. And look, it's not even a phrase we use that often anymore. It's not part of our marketing. We didn't want it to be something that we abused and ran into the ground. But for that season, that very special year where the playoff drought was broken, uh, it was really special to to play a role in, in giving people uh, yeah. that, that identity, but also in a fun and different way yeah. where we're being reverent, where we're leaning yeah. into an insult. And not only that, we easily made millions of dollars off this t-shirt. <laughs> so it is something that I will forever be proud of yeah. uh, until we win a cup here. And then that'll probably top that. But for the time being, that was something that uh, it, it couldn't have happened without Cam Newton uh, and the Panthers yeah. and all. But uh, I'm glad it happened here uh, yeah. in my
0: i i remember when the t-shirts went out because i myself was like all right i gotta go get my t-shirt and i remember how quickly they were going uh, because even yeah. when we when you had gone they were like well we have extra extra large and then we have extra small right now and we don't know when the next shipment's coming in and i was like give me the extra extra large and i'll take it and <laughs> i am still i wear it all the time i it's like my travel t-shirt i wear it when i'm getting on planes and stuff like that and that is a shirt that is constantly packed in my suitcase when I'm going places.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for doing that. Cause you're yes. spreading the word and it's pretty funny too, because after the first week or two um, we switched vendors, like breaking tea still owns the rights to it, but yeah. we, we work with Cardinal apparel which she used, right. used to be one screen print for a lot of our, our t-shirt needs. So there's different versions of the shirt floating around where some of the tags say Bella canvas or all the screen print, <laughs> and others say breaking tea. Um, and I always love seeing that. And then, like any type of viral shirt campaign the weird amazon bots get on it too and then you see like totally weird counterfeit ones and that's how you know you've made it too (laughs) it doesn't even bother me like yeah okay we lose a little bit of money on it but like the fact that people are buying it from so many different sources too that's just that's that's special for a hockey team that's in the southeast that really shouldn't be out kicking its coverage uh that much and uh it's, it's cool to see. Like I love when I'm visiting like family or friends in Charlotte yeah. and I'll see someone like in a brewery or something wearing it and it's like, yeah, all right, you know yeah. what? The Canes are, are growing.
0: I, I, I absolutely loved it. It was one of my favorite uh, favorites that we, because I mean, it's still mentioned, but it, like you were talking about, it's not as big as it was at the time. It's kind of just a, a normal way of Carolina Carol Hurricanes life now.
1: Exactly. I mean, look, we're always going to be kind of petty on social media and echo jerks here and there, but ultimately it was uh, it was a moment in time and so many people like beat certain things like that in the ground. And we just, yeah. there's so much more to what hockey in the Carolinas is than just that moment that yeah. it was fun. It was great. It's still a top selling item for us. Wonderful. But there, we want to move on and continue growing.
0: while we're on uh, the the word petty is coming up, I I absolutely have always said, um, if I ever had the opportunity to shake the person's hand who's in charge of Carolyn Hurricanes Twitter, because it is the best thing in the entire world, you have talked about it, we're not afraid to throw the punches out, we're not afraid to talk back at our rivals, whatever it may be how did where did that fearlessness strategy or the the pettiness strategy come from that we're gonna talk back
1: so a lot of that was born at the panthers too um it took a while and it didn't happen on its own the initial plan was just to have a little bit more sense of humor um i know one thing that was always told to me when i was at the panthers and it was Great leadership, awesome organization. I loved working with Danny Morrison, who's yeah. was the president there. Now he's the head of the Charlotte Sports Foundation. Was that they never wanted to get too cutesy, but I walked them through the numbers and the plan, and they were all comfortable with it. Understood that the uh, a smaller market team couldn't afford to not be different and not to build connections in different yeah. ways. Um, and that's it took a couple of years to kind of get everybody on board. And then show like, take a little, you know, dip your toe in the water and then show them the metrics and be like, well, this performed yeah. better than every other tweet from every other team that we And if we continue leading the league in interaction rate, we can sell that for partnership revenue or we can leverage this in other ways to make money. That's what it's all about. It's about building connection with fans and generating revenue. That's the only thing that we really can do positively um, with social. We're not winning football games or hockey games. So that's where sort of the comfort level came from with all yeah. that um and when i first got to the canes like i told them in the interview process like i'm gonna value one-to-one interaction so much more than you know being snarky or whatever else like and there's even like an, an interview idea i think it was the canes country where i was like it's not going to be the crux of any social strategy and this was on mules of like the vegas golden knight stuff where that was kind of their, their brand in a way um and they thought they did a great job with, with that too but like I, I didn't come in with the attention of, of that happening. Yeah. And then the storm surge happened yeah. and became like uh, everyone's cue to either love it or attack Southern hockey. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, we gotta take the gloves off now. And then it just sort of evolved because you know, winning can create uh, some con- conflict sometimes and animosity, especially if you're doing it in a way that doesn't align with uh, the viewpoint of traditional you know, hockey uh, yeah. fans. So, we, we really, it was sort of born out of like, we have to do this. And fortunately, it's it's evolved in a good way. Their side of it too is we have ownership here and, and leadership here at the Canes that aren't scared of that. There are a lot of teams in sports uh, at every level that are like, no, that's not how we're going to do things. And Tom Dundon is, is, a, is a great owner and he's a smart guy and he understands the value that social can bring. So we, this is the longest leash I've ever had. Uh, and there are times when I'm like talking to other people organizationally being like "Mm, that's too far yeah yeah. Um, and we were able to kind of have some fun with that so I was on the keys a lot our first my first year with the team back in 2018 and then we hired some really really talented people Matt Suter from the Durham Bulls and Mackenzie Friedman from the PGA Tour and the Dallas Wings and uh, they you know I'm very infrequently involved in social i'll give them ideas and things and i'll, I'll yeah. ship it now and again whether it's like the sopranos thing or the, the jersey yeah. video, things like that where well i always it's hard not to get involved but day-to-day yeah. day for the past four years has been all them and they've been able to not only maintain a lot of that fun yeah. uh banter but also grow it from a metric standpoint so yeah. we're, we're really leading the league and everything and And that's not our our ultimate goal. Our our goal is we serve the fans and that's what it has to be about. But the numbers tell us that we're doing an okay job and then we can sell those numbers to a partner.
0: What I love, though, is that if you you can always count on Counter-Hurricanes fans that now we're all ready to. You guys say whatever it is on the Canes Twitter, but you've got a whole community of Hurricanes fans, too, that are like, Yep. We just said that <laughs> we, we are owning it and we are, and we, I mean, people go right at it with everybody else too. And I think that's the cool community part. Hopefully it doesn't get too aggressive with people, but it is the cool part that we are, we're ready to drop gloves too. Uh, and that's the cool part to see on Twitter.
1: You know, I, I've worked for a few different teams now and, um, and you know this as a fan, there, yeah. there are, every, every fan base has passion, everything. I I have never encountered something quite like how Hurricanes fans are, whether it's on social or, or just in person. And it's, it's, it's special. And and in some ways, when I first got here, I kind of refer to it in my head as like the best kept secret in North Carolina, because like, there was a very passionate group of fans. When you, you've been here for yeah. playoff games and stuff, you I've never been in a building that loud. And I'm not just saying that because I work marketing here. I try yeah. to be you no. know, pretty unbiased. It's, it, the, the passion here is, is unbelievable. And it's something that we're, we're just at the tip of the iceberg here too for it. So if the, the stadium series game uh, was a, a great example of yeah. what, what the potential is for this sport, yeah. this yeah. market.
0: Well, I think it's a it's a a, te- a testament to because you have other players who now we've acquired, who have said it's really hard to play in the PNC arena like you were talking about because of how loud it is. And it could be a Wednesday night Roddy's come out and even talked about that as so well he's like it could be a Tuesday night and it will be packed. Um, I, I was there in 5 five6 when we won the Stanley Cup I remember those ten very painful years before we had we came back and uh roddy came in as head coach and it's it's incredible to see the last five six years how passionate the city of Raleigh has gotten back into the hurricanes and uh how it's been a beautiful thing to watch especially like you're saying during the playoffs it's it's nutty it gets crazy.
1: <laughs> it's awesome. And, and it's, I grew up in the Northeast and yeah. I didn't normally tailgate before Yankees games. You yeah. go to one of the bars across the street and yeah. I didn't go to a lot of Giants games growing up, went to a bunch of Nets games, but even then it's like, you're not tailgating at uh, the Continental Airlines arena or the Isot Center or yeah. like Nork. Yeah. So like the tailgating scene here at a pro sports level, uh, is just, it, it's, the culture of it all—it's just—it's yeah. so—it's so fun and uh, it's, it's unique and yeah. it's something that uh, I love to see grow and, and families kind of pass that down as we continue to, to march onward.
0: I, I make a joke to my dad all the time because uh, my dad, and my sister, and I were season ticket holders, and so I made it. make a joke with him all the time. I'm like, there's no other place you can go except Florida and July and see hockey, uh, playoff hockey, and be wearing flip flops and shorts. Uh, and just be so comfortable watching hockey
1: <laughs> good point I'd, I'd love to ask you a question you know yeah. what, what are some times when you felt a really strong connection to the hurricanes throughout the? I mean obviously you were here yeah. for a lot of the the special memories. I'd love to hear some of your experiences.
0: Yeah, the stadium series was a big one. Like, I was young when we won the Stanley Cup, but I remember the parade afterwards. Like, I remember all of that. But the stadium series for me was one that I was like, I can fully remember. Uh, It was one of those that I was, like, taking it all in. I went to NC State, so to see this in the middle of my college football stadium's field and to kind of see it all in, it was... I, it, it was really cool to see and I, I I had chills not because it was actually that cold but <laughs> uh, because it was just really cool to see that, you know, we were told 2020 before COVID hit, you know, this was coming into town, we had been waiting three, three years and to finally see this, it was, it was a pretty surreal magical thing to be like, yep, we're finally here, this yeah. is cool.
1: I wasn't sure it was ever going to happen, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I remember being, after the lockdown, we dove into, it, it, I think it was March or April, yeah, probably March or April 2020, yeah. where we started doing the uniform uh, designing process, the yes. patch designing, and then like, it's like, well, are we actually going to do this game? Like, we're doing <laughs> stuff here, and uh, of course, the uniform leaks somehow, like, in in uh, which that's a whole other fun story, but uh, you know, I loved seeing counterfeit versions of a uniform that hadn't been released yet. But it, a lot of work went into that, and it was such a unique circumstance because of the yeah. pandemic. But to see it finally pay off and to kind of give us more time to build our brand and fan base um, by the time we we had that game, it was um, it was special. I was really glad I was able to attend that as a fan. Yeah. Um, our staff is in a spot now where we're where we're built out enough. Where I'm I'm very I'm involved in administrative stuff and emailing yeah. and supporting them i'm not boots on the ground anymore so my wife and my dad and i got to go experience that which was cool because when i was with the panthers for the super bowl like i i had to work it and it was a lot and i it's honestly it's a mistake i've made in my career that i um i didn't take a step back to enjoy it and you know what other people reached out to me the uh, buddy from the seahawks who was there a couple years before and someone else reached out too and they were like take a step back and enjoy it like it it's. It might not happen again. I was like, no, no, we're we're gonna be a power out for years. I'll be back there next year. We're gonna win it and the whole thing. And I remember even the day before the game, I was in my hotel room just like working on stuff and get it done. The day of the game, and it was fun. Don't get me wrong, there was so much important yeah. about that, but like I could have enjoyed it differently. So now I got that opportunity to do that in. we in my in my hometown now. You know, in in a market that I do call home, and. Uh, it was special. I'm very thankful we won that one. That's, that was the only concern going in. I was. Like,
0: oh. It was mine too.
1: <laughs> it's like it was I was terrified when uh, yeah. Cook and Yemi scored that goal. I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Just keep it going. I was and,
0: like, "Woo!" Well, I was like, "Let's go! Let's keep it! Let's keep it rolling! Let's keep the goals uh, going." It's it's been. I mean, just thinking of memories too. Uh, yeah. We've been. This is our. We're, This is probably I think our fourth year we were 22 season ticket holders we bumped up to full season just because we're like all right we're full we're full in this year. Um, But it's the my dad my sister and I going it's just that time that uh, the three of us can catch up see each other. Yeah. The week, no matter what, um, this is us, this is, we go and this is our thing we've been going since we were so young. And so this is, he's always, uh, taking us to games. So for us, this is our time just to have some beers, have some laughs, watch hockey. And it's just, it's a really fun time for us. And we've been extremely lucky to see. All five years of playoffs now that we've been in it. And so, um, some pretty nutty nutty happenings as you know um but extremely lucky that we've been there to to see all this happen and um uh, manifesting that the stanley cup is coming to us this year
1: <laughs> i hope so you know it's uh i've been very very lucky in my career and, and to experience some really special teams and. Yeah. Um, never been part of a championship season I've come close yeah, yeah. Um, and it would be really cool to to just experience that um and to to experience it here where I have roots down now um or my kids can experience that too I'm granted I, my daughters will be six if okay. my, son, my son will be three. uh so they love hockey but they don't you know know what's going on but to, just to be able to like take them to a parade you know and and uh like that would be I haven't been to a championship since in 2009 when the Yankees won the world series. Okay. And to, it's totally like just to experience that with all the fans here that have become like yeah. family, it, it would be really, really special. So um, I hope so. Uh, I really hope that, you know, Raleigh can experience that again and uh, the hurricanes can continue to solidify themselves as yeah. the prominent pro team in North Carolina.
0: I want to hop and just pick your mind a little bit about when these big events like stadium series are coming up or even, mm-hmm a playoff run where this past season, it was never compromised, yeah. um, with extremely creative movie poster style uh, game day graphics. I mean, it was written in NHL.com. Um, and then you had the cameo after defeating Jersey, which brought the biggest smile to my face. But when you have these bigger events that you know are coming down, how do you guys approach, okay, this is This is hashtag never compromise, or this is what we're leading with for the stadium series.
1: You know, we we've been laying the groundwork for process for a long time, Um, and it wasn't until this season that we got the approval to sort of staff up appropriately. And we we did lose some people during the pandemic; they went and got different jobs and things like that. And, And our our team got real lean. I mean, it was me, it was Matt, our social person. We had we we now we're we're fully staffed up on both the creative services side with our designers and our video producers and our photographers and project managers and all that and the digital side which you know is still in my opinion a little lean but we, we have a, a crew there and um, you know we've always preached being proactive I mean I, I'm not going to rotate my computer because I'm scared I'll knock it over during the recording um, but like there's a whole list of departmental principles here and one that we really prioritize here in addition to, you know, being kind and compassionate and thoughtful with our communication is being really proactive with our planning. And, and I have done this long enough to know that the the thing that really does separate the good teams from the, the great ones is, um, is planning ahead. Uh, so you know, that never compromised meeting. We had that months and months before the playoffs started. And part of the reason we did that exercise is in my time here, we haven't been structured in a way where we have been able to um, develop fully integrated marketing and branding campaigns. Right. So we had to take right. in a little bit. This, so whatever the outcome of that was going to be, whatever within reason, any catchphrase or marketing slogan they had, I was going to be like, "Yep, I'm on board." Um, yep. Because I wanted to watch our new creative director interact with uh, our, our digital team and everybody else, yeah. and I wanted to see that we could we could do it. And um, I was really proud of how. At least that was born because it was it was one of our email marketing and paid media specialists that it actually no compromise was going to be the initial one. Okay. Uh, after that got approved by the league, we found out that it had been adopted by some like neo-Nazi groups in Europe, and we we're like, ah, we got to pivot on that one a little. We're
0: gonna bit. change that one real quick.
1: <laughs> so, um It was, but it was all built around the whole NC thing and everything else, and. Uh, it was an exercise in, in getting everybody comfortable with working together because prior to the season, that full creative services team was never really part of our digital and marketing team, and we wanted to see what that was all about. So that was well in advance. Um, that Sopranos and Jersey thing that you mentioned, that was an idea that we had, oh God, I had that five years ago or so, maybe four years ago, Um, we were going to do it to the Rangers because there were some players on the team we were playing in the playoffs that yeah. were also cameo, and we were going to trick them into, so, but then we kind of chickened out because we were like, well, what if the NHLPA gets involved and yeah, and, stuff? and um, we're not doing it. And then last year uh, or two years ago, we actually tried it against Boston and the the subject that we were, we weren't really tricking. It's just, we asked people to say like, Hey, our my friend carolina or caroline has won a contest at work and has advanced i mean it's all technically true the contest at work is just the Stanley cup playoffs yeah but uh it it, the the response we got to the boston one was just like we can't use this and it was tough with the jersey one because the first response we got we couldn't use and it because it was too good uh because it was it was someone that is on devil's media and they okay. went back and, and I was like, I I don't want to get Sky in trouble. He's too nice. Yeah. But then we get the other ones and we're like, this is so this is so good. Um, you know, we uh, then uh, we actually had, had to clear it by Cameo. Uh, we had a conversation with them and then they were on board with it. And okay. apparently, um, a political campaign in Pennsylvania uh, I guess the Doctor Oz and Fetterman thing yeah. yeah. had done something similar uh, a few months before. So this was not uncharted territory for them, and uh, ended up working out really really well and. I did not go to sleep that night. I read all the, the mentions and all that stuff. And you're still watching that. Uh, people get excited about it. And yeah. also I grew up in New Jersey. You know, I, I I know the stereotypes. I know the comedy behind it. And I appreciated it. Just growing up there, I was like, I, I love The Sopranos. I grew up watching that. Like, yeah. it, was, it was cool to see it. But the point is um, we do a lot of our planning well in advance. And we try to also position all of our staff to have a voice in what we do and to try to be different and uh, you know those designs that that our, our, our uh, creative and graphic design team put together those movie poster things the prompt for that was just like go have fun and have it not have to do with hockey like just do yeah. something different yeah. and i think hockey has been really uh, hungry for stuff like that for a while but there is so much drama and action within this sport on the ice like there's no reason why all of our height graphics have to be the same like guys skating or whatever else. Um, and that's something that I think now our team has had some experience with that and can continue building on it as we go into next season and beyond.
0: Yeah. Two of my favorites was, uh, one was during the devils where you could see the devil horns coming up from out of the ocean with the hand. Yeah. And the other one was, um, the panther ears in front of the PNC arena with yeah. around it. Yeah. I, it was, they were so good and they really, they set the the tone as well with the never compromise we're coming yeah. out, we're ready.
1: It's so hard to stop the scroll and especially in sports because there's a lot of really creative talented people out there and I am so immensely proud of, of how our, our staff did there and uh, I'm excited for what we can do. I mean, this has been a vision that we've had for several years. I mean, honestly, it dates back to my time at Panthers, uh, and to finally kind of have the staff that we we want, the team we want, and we couldn't do that without the leadership from our our CMO Mike Foreman and Tom and Don giving us the approval to have the the budget we need and the staffing we need to to, to do all this. And I I know it sounds arrogant, but we're we're just getting warmed up. Uh, There's a whole lot more on on our plan um, that we think will be not only exciting for fans in that yeah. way, but also that it will continue to to grow passion for this brand in an authentic and human way, which is yeah. to me a really important piece of the puzzle as we sort of march towards our 30th year, 35, and then onward.
0: You, we've talked a lot about it a little bit in terms of metrics and how you measure things. When we're talking about all of these game day graphics and Never compromise the Willie video that kind of is the intro before the guys come out. What metrics do you guys look at to measure fan engagement? How riled up we all get into everything? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, so we have a couple of different analytics tools that we use to to measure this stuff and report on it. But one thing that I stress internally is I, I don't care what our audience size is. I yeah. don't care how many follows. If you were to quiz me on that right now, I would probably fail it because yeah. I just I don't care. like yeah. we're we're a hockey team in the southeast. We've been in Raleigh since nineteen ninety seven. Ten of those years were not good. Um, the past five are. And social media is not an indication uh, of how good or popular or relevant yeah. you are. Our goal is to mean something to our fans. Yeah. Um, one metric though that we do value very highly is interaction rate because uh-huh. that to us is there's a correlation between do, do our fans like our content? And typically we lead the league or among the top five teams in interaction rate. Now uh-huh. we are helped a little bit the way that metric is calculated. We are aided by the fact that our audience size is as large as our teams. But we're still outperforming everybody else at such a high level that it's a good indication that two things are really working for us. One is quality over quantity. and We're very selective in what we do put out there. Um, yeah, a lot of teams, and this is something I noticed when I got to the Canes, and this is not a knock on, on them at all. Yeah. Uh, they they did what they had to do in the current state of the team. But yeah. the, that filter of like, all right, does this belong on social or does it not belong on social? was sort of needed to be adjusted just a little bit. And it's ironically enough, what they were doing back then is kind of like what we need to be doing again now. Yeah. Um, so they weren't doing it wrong and it might've been just like not the perfect fit for that period in time, in my opinion. Um, and we really pulled that back a little bit and focused on quality of a quantity, a ton of one-on-one interactions. like, we need to be more responsive than everybody else. And that's something I push a lot across all platforms, whether it's the DMs, the Twitter replies, the Instagram yeah. replies, whatever. Um, but that quality over quantity approach is key because that allows us to really kick up that interaction rate number. Because we're never going to be able to sell total interactions. We don't have the audience right. for that. Right. If we can tell par- partner number X or whatever that, like, yeah. hey, we're the most interactive team with We have the highest engagement rate in the yeah. NHL or in North Carolina or all these twenty teams that are yeah. all the sports. That is going to help us like set ourselves apart. So we really prioritize that. And there's other metrics on web and mobile and email that we hi- we really highlight that show a similar trend of, of high levels of interaction because we just, we know we're never going to win the audience size debate. That's fine. We don't need to. like we. i rather have a hundred people that are like insanely passionate than 10,000 that are passive. So, um, you know, it's it's something that has helped us a lot here. But now that we have a successful team on the ice and yeah. our brand is a little more established and we have the content producers in-house, we can kind of ratchet up that frequency a little bit more. And we have the audience size that has grown a little bit because of that strategy that we need to be telling certain stories that may not have resonated in the past but whether they're community outreach things or whatever else that we can tell them in a more creative way but we definitely want to be showcasing them a little bit more whereas three or four years ago it was like only the greatest hits and now we can afford to have a few things that let's be real like our fans follow us for hockey stuff they're not following us for as awesome as it is someone on our community outreach team dropping off frozen turkeys during thanksgiving it's still really valuable it's really good yeah yeah but it it doesn't get the numbers on social.
0: Right, 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 But
1: now it's like, all right, are we at a stage where maybe numbers don't matter as much because we've sort of, we found our footing.
0: And this community in Raleigh too, like we've been talking about, we love to see, I, I love to see every part of it because it's just an opportunity that you're seeing an organization that is talked about being so small or is not one of the original however many it it's but it's a fantastic organization that is doing abcd is giving back to the community you got stormy driving through tailgates before every game like you know what i mean like it it checks the boxes from from my perspective as a fan it's great to be able to see everything the carolina hurricanes are doing and um i i love that we get to be part of that experience as well
1: that's something that I see as a big area of opportunity for us in the future yeah. is, I know we, we do an okay job of being fan friendly, but I'd like to see us get even more um, friendly wise, aggressive with how much we leverage and respond to fan feedback and not just through social, but like yeah. we, the, the way to win in this industry nowadays is through uh, transparency, as well as like listening to your fans and making those changes if you can do it in a measured way so our our bi team right now is hard at work on developing some things like that that'll allow us to better intake feedback and and Uh take action on it and i i do think that those are the seeds that if you can plant now of showing that you're listening and growing based on what your fans want that 25 years from now those are those are big old trees and that's where you have those major brands and uh, in, in a meeting we had about it the Cleveland Browns came up where perhaps they haven't been as successful on the field but their yep. fans are tremendously passionate because of the connection they have to, to the community yep. and to the region and if we can do that while being successful on the field yep. the possibilities are, are are endless so the the hurricanes knock on wood are on a very nice trajectory right now but there's a lot of room for for growth and how we Uh, embrace our fans and how we listen to our fans and uh, and also how we create community or facilitate the creation of community for our fans. My
0: last question for you, Dan, in in this big sports industry world and uh, this creative outlet that you are in, what inspires you? Uh,
1: That's a good question, tough question. Uh, I think I may adjust that one a little bit to like why do I love what I do, and it creates inspiration for me? Um, you said it before, and you talked about how, like, you have these times when you go with your family to yeah. hockey games, and and how special that is for you. And, and ten years from now, look, you might be living in a different part of the country. You might, you never know what's really going to happen. You, you know, you might be working a job here, San Francisco, wherever, yeah. and you can think back and be like, I had those great memories, and and I had those times there where like that's a big part of who I am and what I am and then some things that bring me joy here. And, and the fact that I and our team here, our marketing department, gets to play a small role in helping support those types of memories and connections and moments for people, that's the best part of what I do here. Um, you know, that's that's what gives me pride in kind of what we're able to accomplish uh, for the Hurricanes and and to help kind of continue pushing that to create more opportunities for fans to feel that way. That's that's why I love it. And the other cliche answer, what inspires me is um, the one thing that keeps me around here besides the fact that I like I like living here. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I really like the people I work with in this organization. Um, and I know it's like, oh, you know, you're on camera. That's why you're saying that. No, that's true. I, I've said this before. Yeah. Um, it's, I really like, I have a lot of love for our staff here and the culture that we have uh, built um, and it's it's uh you never like if you're ever on a job interview for anybody who's watching and like people are always like oh we're like a family here personally I always take that as a red flag not that my family is not dysfunctional at all but like yeah. I was like oh, I don't like that comparison but there's there's a strong bond and friendship and, and level of comfort here that we have to where we can joke and enjoy each other and I have a lot of love for our staff uh, here in the team we have and that's kind of what um, doesn't necessarily inspire me, but it's what pushes me, yeah. uh, to, you of know, want to be your best self Love for around you. And, uh, that's it. So, you know, the community, the fans and, and the people here, uh, that's what sports is all about. Uh, and that's what the connection is. So that's kind of, uh, what I guess you could say inspires me.
0: I think what's really unique and you've heard players say, it, you've heard Roddy say it, you've heard a lot of people say it in the, in the hurricanes organization, what makes hockey special here yep. is the people, and I think we are not like we've been talking about. We are not a traditional team. We are a hockey team in the south, and it is ninety-eight degrees here today. <laughs> We're talking about hockey starting in just a few months. It's it's the people here that love, and I, I I've grown up here. It's been it's truly a fantastic community to be part of. Um, and I, I absolutely love this city and brag on it all the time.
1: Yeah, oh, no, me too. And if you would have told 14-year-old me that you, know, you would be working and helping support a hockey team in, in North Carolina when you go, I'd <laughs> be like, all right, give me some whatever drug that is. Uh, but I I never drew it up this way. never thought it would happen. But that's kind of the excitement of working in sports yeah. is that it leads you to these places that... Uh, that are really really special sometimes and now for us it's it's home and i think people from around here all throughout the carolinas um, there's a certain level of pride whether you were born here or you moved here that you you really uh it, you're proud of what what we have and what we're building and we're all kind of on the same page kind of wanting this to be the best it can be together and that's something that i think aligns really well with our fans here too is that you know we, we it, I hate using this term but if you'll look at family sometimes like that, we're all kind of pulling in the same direction, yeah. but to your point, you you are part of that. And thank you for, for doing your part to kind of make what we're doing here uh, as special as it can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially, I mean, just even th- thinking back to the stadium series, there was, you know, however many seats and, you're looking around and you're like, wow, this is a lot of Carolina red right here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know if I didn't have so many shots beforehand, I would have thought it was really special. No, no, I actually I, I was a DD, you know. In all seriousness, yeah. Um, yeah. but no, it was it was surreal. Like, and I, it's almost so hard to take in of like seeing. All, also, I've never been to an NC State football game before. Still haven't. Okay. I have a goal of doing it this year. In okay. fact, I've only been to one uh, college football game. Okay. Mike Foreman, our CMO, took me to Wake Forest shocking uh, Car- Car-
0: Because of his love for wake for
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I was like, it was fun. You know, he had this extra ticket and I was like, all right, I want to see what this is all about. And, um, it was, I actually, I had a lot of trouble navigating and finding my seat at, at Carter Finley. Cause I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. Um, so that was, that was a challenge. So we actually missed the national Anthem, uh, which I, I went back, I watched it a hundred times. And my yeah. son has been in a, a stage for the past couple months where, um, uh-huh. uh, when he wants to watch the canes, we go to YouTube, yes. and he'll want to watch the same video again and again and again. So it's like our AHO goal or the outdoor game. Yeah. Or for a while, it was like all the storm surges, especially yeah. the Whalers' night surges. Yeah. was like green canes, and it's like all right. But we, I've also watched the outdoor game, like yeah. the cat video. God, so many because my son really wanted to. Yeah. So it's almost like I was there, but I'm yeah. gonna have to learn how to navigate Carter Finley yeah. at some point.
0: Yeah. One that needs to be added to that list is the Jesper Foss goal to defeat the devils. That one I've watched a million times yeah. in, in OT. And that one is one up. I just can sit there and watch that over and over again. Oh yeah.
1: There's and that's what's great about this sport in particular yeah. is that yeah. something can change so quickly. Like like Brock McGinn's goal too versus the Caps a couple of years ago. Like and you, it, it almost takes you back to exactly what you were feeling at that moment. So, yeah. uh, it's it's hockey's a hell of a sport, and yeah. I'm kind of mad at myself for not watching it when I was a kid. But yeah. I'm making up for it now.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you were just saying, like I can remember exactly what was happening. Like Brock McGinn's goal, I was like crouched down, just <laughs> just watching that game, game five. Yes, for scoring that goal. I was yeah. there, it was, I can I see the goal happening. So it's, it's those moments that you're like, yep, I can tell you exactly what was happening at this very moment.
1: When you were watching the Brock McGinn goal, were you on delay at all? Cause I started getting all these text messages from friends and I was like, ah, oh, we won great. But it was kind of like a little. Yes
0: my dad was on one my sister was on the other and I was I was like we've got three different times here right now I'm like we are all over the place
1: (laughs) love it love it and that's that connection though. that's what matters yes
0: Yes. well Dan I cannot thank you enough for coming on and speaking with me today um and diving into all this sports love and uh I'm extremely excited to see what uh Carolina Hurricanes hockey has to hold this year
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, (laughs) Looking forward to it, and hopefully I see you around uh, tailgating before game this season.
0: Yes, yes, lots of tailgating, and you guys, please go follow the Canes, uh, and please go give them some love. Uh, Really excited for this coming up season. And uh, Dan, just thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank uh, you for having me, Daniel. Yeah, and as always, I will see you guys back here next time. Bye.